You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? It's Harrison Phillips here, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on the Circle of the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills, baby. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. Another week until free agency and wanted to have another guest on to talk about it talk everything buffalo bills free agency a little bit of the draft a little offseason needs and i had on none other than kevin Masseri from the crowd assist podcast on the Trainwreck sports podcast network now if you've heard kevin before he's been doing it for a long time has a lot of great knowledge and analysis on the team and just just has great commentary it was it was good conversation i had with him honestly it took a little bit over 50 minutes and it went by quickly because that's how good it was to talk to him i bounced some ideas off him i asked him some questions about what he thought about certain situations with the bills we talked about the jj watt signing with the arizona cardinals do we care does it really matter Uh, what does it mean in the grand scheme of things We talked about John Brown being cut or possibly restructured. Does he think it's a good idea? What would he like to see happen? We talk about Matt Milano and Daryl Williams, their futures with the Bills. Does he think that the Bills will re-sign one or both or neither of them? We also talk about free agent wide receivers. Now, Kevin is very, very high on this free agent wide receiver class. So if for some reason something doesn't get done, with John Brown, or he ends up getting released. Um, Kevin brings up a lot of really cool names that the Bills might look at. Uh, we talk about some running backs and offensive tackles the Bills could target in the first couple of rounds in the draft. That was a really fun part of the conversation. We talk about trading back. As I'm sure you all know, the Bills have the 30th overall pick in the NFL draft. And historically, uh, some teams like to trade back from the beginning of the second round into the end of the first round, especially with a a position like quarterback, just so that they can get that fifth-year option on that quarterback. So is that a potential? Could he see that happening? We also talk about the rule change that was proposed by the Bills for the upcoming owners meeting that will be voted on. And I just want to give you guys a quick heads up that the audio is a little grainy. I was having an issue on my end. And uh, we ended up doing a recording that was slightly different. It sounds more like a phone call interview on both sides of us than uh, what I normally do. But uh, trust me, stick with it. It is a great conversation uh, and, and great insight brought up from Kevin and totally worth it. Without further ado, Kevin Masseri from the Crowdasis Podcast and Trainwreck Sports. 
He's the host of the Crowd Assist podcast on the Trainwreck Sports Podcast Network and a fellow UB alum. I'd like to welcome Kevin Massari to the podcast. Kevin, it is great to finally talk to you. How are you? Doing well. It's been, uh, been, been a little while. I know you came on our show uh, during the ASC Championship game, so it's good to get on over here um, and really lots to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on, only you know, 10 days away till free agency and lots of real changes, so it's good. It's just good to be relevant. That's all. That's all I have to say. Absolutely. It is. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, free agency is just, man, it just comes up so quickly. You know, the month of March in general just came up and now we're talking about just being a week away from free agency. Um, first thing I want to talk to you about real quick is, uh, the whole JJ Watt thing. I mean, does, did that even matter to you? Because at the time it's like, yeah, sure. He's a shiny new toy. Um, he was, the, he was the only free agent of significance on the market at the point. Uh, we need a defensive line help. Uh, um, you know, in the end, I think he wanted way too much from from what I was willing, especially for a team that only at this point has three million in cap space. Um, I was okay seeing him go to the Cardinals for that amount. Just let him go. Were you in the same uh, the same boat as me? Yeah, I mean, I, it was interesting because I thought even previous to any reports of him being available. So I think I tweeted right after the game um, in January that I thought he'd be a great fit. I thought that maybe you'd be able to get him on like a two year, $16 million deal, one for 10, maybe something um, that would still restrict you on the cap, but something a little bit less than what we saw. I'm not going to say that that deterred me. I mean, yes, that was too much for my liking. Um, we'll see how that ends up looking. Arizona seems to spend money, um, and not get better, um, for having a good young nucleus. But for, for me, I was very interested in him because I thought it was a position of weakness. So it was kind of that whole, um, feeling that if the team had a better pass rusher and a better, um, defensive line, would that have made a difference against the, the chiefs? I tend to think it might've. Um, so that's, that's really, I mean, they just struggled defensively that it didn't matter what they did on offense. If they went for it, if they didn't go for it, um, you know, it's, it's this water under the bridge for not, you weren't stopping them, um, at, at all. Uh, and they look completely different in the, in the uh, Super Bowl, And that's the, the position the bills want to get to. So to me, I thought he was the next step for them, but there are good names out there that the team can now pursue. But, um, yeah, I mean, I thought that, I mean, there were reports that the Bills finished second. I don't, I don't know how much we can believe that, but, um, I mean, I don't know why that would be a false report. So I do think he maybe wanted to be, I don't know. I don't know what would make you pick them, but, um, maybe just straight up came down to the money and, and Brandon Bean had a hard cap at some point. The guaranteed money might've been a sticking point. I don't think it was the, uh, the, the years or the dollars. So I think it was the 23 million guaranteed that he was like, well, We'd like this to be more of a one-year type of thing with a two-year, basically with a second option. I mean, that's how they were looking at it. And JJ was just like, no, I'll take the 23 guaranteed. If I suck, I suck. Um, the Bills probably were probably more in like the 15 range of guaranteed, if I was to guess. Yeah. I mean, he said he wanted to go to a Super Bowl contending team. And, and uh, you know, if you look at obviously the Packers and the Bills being in the AFC Championship were the were the clear cut, you know, teams yep. that should, he should have chosen. But, um, in the end, you know, if you, if he, the teams that he narrowed it down to, even Arizona, Arizona was only eight and eight last season, but, um, you know, that's still better than going to the Jets or the Jaguars or something like sure. that. So, so sure, he narrowed it down, um, but clearly not going just strictly for the Super Bowl. And I think it was a little naive of us to think that that's really what he wanted because, I mean, that isn't 
And I mean, these guys want to win a Super Bowl. And you would think at 32 when he never really was close, like he really, really would want one. But in the end, are you going to turn down, you know, five, six million dollars guaranteed in the end? Like, no, no, it still comes down to the money in the, in the grand scheme of things. Same deals you might. Uh, I mean, if it was the same deal, then you might actually have a destination. And maybe he was expecting everyone to come in and, and Arizona came in and was like, no, we'll Trump Buffalo, we'll Trump whoever. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I th- he said he had five different shirts out there shipped to his friend's house um, for his final destination. So I really don't think he he knew um, up until maybe 24 or 48 hours before, if at most that. And Arizona might have, he might have been waiting for them to come back and say, yeah, we'll get, we'll go up, you know, we'll beat Buffalo and Beans like, no, we're done. Uh, we're yep. done here. So I'm going to imagine there's a little bit of that in there. Um, it's just the way that it went, the time that it took. And then he randomly decided when he decided. So I think there was some where he's waiting his, you know, for the final numbers. And Arizona's like, wait, 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 we'll wait and we'll match. And then we're going to go 5 million more guaranteed. And I think that's that's where you got the final figures at. You know, the other team finally bowed out, and you know he's waiting. All right, waiting for the final offer. Um, that's that's kind of how I look at it. So, um, you know, I I, I, I like the player. I, but the thing for me was I thought the Bills would finish second, but to Green Bay. Um, so to finish second to Arizona is kind of funny, but it doesn't really change much other than like, oh, great, maybe we, you know, that doesn't change Green Bay and make them any better. So maybe you know the Rams are still up there. There's a lot of you know, Tampa still coming back. Arizona got him, whatever. I have all the places, and I'm um, critical of Arizona. Um, I'm glad he went there, and we don't have to watch him play uh, the Bills at all next year, and um, you know, potentially, if unless they both make the Super Bowl. So to me, it's fine. Uh, I thought they overbid, and that's what they needed to do to get it done. So that's what you got to do as an 8-8 eight and eight team to get a player like Watt come to you, an older player. You overpay him, and you hope that he returns to form. Maybe they get a year out of him for $23 million. That's, that's about what you can ask for. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, will he even finish out that contract? I mean, the guy's been so injured. You never know. So, so I'm, I'm looking at this on the positive side of things like, yeah, it would have been nice. But in the grand scheme of things, whenever these free agents come out available, I mean, you're one of 30 one other teams that are trying to get them. And so right. the odds are already against you. And then if you get narrowed down to five or six teams, I mean, the odds still aren't in your favor for any right. of this stuff. You know, there's very few, uh, you know, Mario Williams signings out there, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. So, and, and the other thing is he was the only one available. I mean, just today, you know, the, the Giants uh, announced that they were releasing um, the Golden Tate, right? So, yep. I mean, players players will become available. There won't be an, a, a shortage of, of players. And do you think like, so I'm thinking in this, in this, the way that the season is with the cap being so low compared to last season and what it'll be next season because yep. of obviously COVID and the pandemic and, and everything that happened and the league needs, needs to make up money. Like I could definitely see this being a season where, you know, people are worried because we don't have a lot of cap and we don't, um, there's ways to, and we'll talk about like ways to, you know, get some more cap, but at the same time, like this could also be a, a year where there's a lot more players available than, than never would have been available because they need to get cut for other teams to make space. Do you kind of see it that way? Or do you look at it more of like, it just sucks. We only have 3 million. Um, I, I tried, I th- I'm thinking more on the positive, the more I think about this yeah. whole issue. It's an interesting debate that I've had started to have on Twitter and we'll have probably ramping up here at the end of this week. And it's going to be, it might be the one time I'm an advocate of mortgaging your future because of how high you expect the cap to go in future years and how much you're going to balloon to get there with this new Amazon deal that's going to come through on Thursday night football and uh, other things that will happen. Fans back in the stands are already up to 33% in New York that just came out today. Um, So they're, you know, by the time football, I mean, I think it's, not a hot take to say that they'll have close to capacity. Um, you know, might, there might be some weird things here and there. 
Um, you know, maybe, you know, you'll have to prove a vaccine or I, I don't know what they're going to plan for. Um, at least a test you'll have to show if you're not vaccinated or something that you'll see in September. But, um, I do think you'll be close to that. I think that helps you, um, you know, kind of mortgage the future a little bit. What does that mean? I do think it'll balloon at some point, whether it's next year or in two years, that they'll go up to the original number, um, that they're looking for. So restructure, push things out. You're always going to be able to make space, um, unless you're really stupid about it. Um, and you get in a situation like Doug Whaley or New Orleans, um, you know, it does come back to bite you occasionally, but there are teams that are very good at it. Even look at the teams that were able to trade bloated quarterback contracts. Even if you make a mistake with Josh Allen, you know, look at the things that you can do there. And, um, you know, Josh Allen, I think, will end up being better than Jared Goff or Carson Wentz. Um, but it, let's just say in, in, a, in a bad world, he doesn't. Um, you can get rid of that contract. Um, you know, they were just were just proven and get something out of it, not an asset and get rid of the contract. Um, so it, there's no harm in signing um, Josh Allen to whatever he needs to be signed to. And I think that's kind of the biggest challenge is when do you sign Josh Allen, but I do think that you're going to count for his fifth year option. You're going to count for his money on the cap this year, whether the final number comes up to 300 million, 400 million, 500 million or whatever, you're still going to look at the same cap space that you were to pay him this year. And that's what Josh would probably do in his contract negotiation. So what does all that amount to? That all amounts to, I like restructures for once. If you need to use it, I don't generally like restructures, but in this situation, in this environment, I do like the extension. Um, and I also, you know, I don't want to just, unless you have a backup plan, I'm not a huge just cut John Brown because you make $8 million so you could go sign a second tight end. I don't know. If you have a plan like John New Smith and he's the guy that you're targeting and he you need every dollar for him, fine. That's a plan to me. Is it to cut him so that you can go do something similar at the position and still break out even and hope that he was better than John Brown. I don't know. That's tough for me to assume that. So what would I more, what would I rather him have? I'd rather give him another year on his deal um, and, you know, split up the money than I would cut him and save the whole entire chunk. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at with some of the, the cap battles and the cap debates. You can free that money up so easily. You move some things around, you cut a few players, um, you know, you make some changes on the D line and you're there and you're, you're looking in good shape. So, um, I'm, I'm one of the guys that says you can make money. I, I'm a firm believer of understanding the cap. So I'm a firm believer that you can manipulate it and it's no better year that you need to use maybe the restructured card that you don't generally use or the extension and push money out type of thing. Signing bonuses, weird bonuses. That's what I'd like to see in this off season here in a couple of weeks. Do signing bonuses not count for against the cap at all? They're split up. Okay. So they're split up. So if you sign a $10 million uh, signing bonus and you give them four, you know, four years, it's 2.5 against the cap each year. Gotcha. So that's why you'll see weird. And then that that's the dead money. So in year four, you'll have the cap of the dead money of the guaranteed signing bonus of 2.5. That's where your dead money starts. And if there's any workout bonuses or any option bonuses, restructure bonuses, um, that starts to tack up in your dollar amounts as well as guaranteed money of the contract is guaranteed. Um, so that's how the dead cap accumulates. So that's where restructures come in and team pushing pushing out years and i think john brown's a great candidate to keep and extend and to push out and restructure if you need to i think he would do it and i think he would take less money per year free up about five million on your cap maybe not the full amount that everyone's looking for but you keep the player there's some value to the player and maybe it's not the number you're looking at today but the value might be three four five million that, that they're like yeah we, we don't want the turnover there because we need to go do tight end we need to go do some other things uh defensive end so my move is keep john but that's my hot take and it's getting hotter that people want to cut him my hot take is keep him and try to extend him if he's hard on his and he won't do anything for you then then maybe he's not the player for for your for your culture anyways um, but i do believe he is and i do believe that you should at least present him with an opportunity to take a two for eight and extend it out over two years i think it's pretty 
pretty, you know, and then he doesn't have to hit free agency and he can continue to rise his numbers with, uh, with Josh Allen. But that's, that's my first opinion of free agency is make something happen with John Brown. Don't just cut him. Cause you want 8 million in cap space. It's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. So right now he, he is one year left on his deal. He has nine and a half million owed to him and 1.6 million in dead cap. So you're saying, well, you, did you say two for eight? So it would be like a little bit less money or would you do two for 10, which is basically you're just adding an extra $500,000 onto his contract for another year, right? By that, or I'm just looking at spot track right now. So right. that's his cap hit. So he knows, I mean, his agent at least knows the situation and, you know, what the bills are looking at, right? So he's going to save $8 million by being cut. He's only designated $1.6 million coming over based on the bonuses and what he's owed. Um, and already has been paid um, mm-hmm. in this case. I mean, he only has a $100,000 workout bonus, so none of it's really this year. He's got a $781,000 dollar roster bonus that's not very much so that would actually if they pick that up that would actually okay so that's so if you look at john brown's numbers he knows that he's not guaranteed any of this contract um so basically the bills are going to approach him like you want that eight million let's work it out over a year whatever the bills are comfortable with whether it's an extra year an extra two years you know whatever bean has in his model and it's usually two-year deals based on what we've seen him sign so you would say he would say to him like okay what if we give you 10 million we give you this kind of bonus and we split it up. That's that's how they'll they'll finagle maybe a free five million dollars and get to keep the player. To me, that's as valuable as getting the eight up front. Um, now you're getting the player and you're saving five this year only because you're going to have them on the roster next year at a reasonable deal. I don't know. To me, it's not like you're mortgaging the future if you have John Brown sign next year for five million dollars. I don't know. That's not a huge problem for me. Um, so especially with the cap going up. So we'll see what they have to do. But I still think that they'll pay John Brown more than people people think that they would. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's either they're either they're in the camp of they're cutting him no matter what. And I kind of think he'd be cut. I'm not going to lie. I kind of think that we're in the range of he'd be released if that was their number one goal right now, especially with the names being released. Um, and maybe that's where it will end up going. But watch out for him to actually stay on a reasonable contract. I mean, you think about like any of these players, John Brown included, any of the players that we might talk about, like Quinn Jefferson or Jordan Butler, um, any of those guys or Vernon Butler. Sorry. Yeah you do not want to be a free agent this year, right? So you would think it would be in his interest, like exactly. whatever, make it to that second season until you can at least trade me to someone with more cap space or, you know, I could resign or you release me then. Now is not the year that if you're John Brown, you want to be released, you do whatever you can. If they're willing to offer you a restructure, you know, to give you another $1 million to, but to get another year, like I, I, I guess the more I talk with you about it, the more I agree with you. I would love to keep John Brown. It's it's tough with this last year because it's like, what have you sure. done for me lately? Right. And John Brown lately was injured and slow and not not the same player he was just a year ago when he was the number one wide receiver on the Bills. So I would love to keep him along with Stefan Diggs. But then you start talking about Stefan Diggs. It's like, is Stefan Diggs going to want, you know, a salary bump even in this season? You know, are players like Cole Beasley going to want, you know, a little bit more money? Then right. all of a sudden you have to find more money that you didn't, you thought you were just going to have to re-sign Darrell Williams and John Feliciano and, you know, other guys. No, 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 no. You also have to keep you know, the guys that are on your roster happy. Do you extend, uh, you know, Micah Hyde, like those guys that are on there last year? Like, sure. you know, it, th- there's lots of stuff that you have to take into consideration. I'm sure they're doing it. So, I mean, we just mentioned like six names right there. Is Matt Milano's gone, right? Like, there's no way they're going to keep Matt Milano. They can't afford him. And basically, Bean's even alluded to it on his podcast shows where he's basically like, if he comes back to me at a figure that we'd 
we like to sign him at, you know, we'll, we'll open, you know, we have open arms, but I just, if he's going for that six year, you know, 15 per year, um, big monster deal that, you know, you saw Kyle Van Noy or other sign who, you know, they're already out of it. Um, then, you know, no, there, he's not going to get resigned. If he comes back to me and says, I'll play for one for eight, one more year. I don't know there's the, the percentages go up pretty high at that point that maybe Bean would, would say, let's, we'll have more cap next year. If you take a one for eight, one for seven, whatever that number might be, um, you know, we'd like to have you, but he's absolutely going to test the market. I do believe he'll get paid, but if for something goofy goes on with the way the market is Bean will take him back with open arms, but I just don't, I just don't see um, the bridge deal come in. And I also don't see him not taking anything more than a multiple, you know, year deal. So yeah. unfortunately I do think he's gone. It's something I've already accounted for, um, you know, already happening. And I, I do believe Daryl Williams is in that camp as well. I don't believe they'll get a deal done with him. Um, you know, he's going to try to make money in his career and, you know, he had a terrible year be moving around uh, different positions last year. So, Daryl Williams is another one. I don't expect the Bills to resign. Um, would I be shocked if they did? No, but I don't expect them to come up and want to pay a right tackle, especially after having expensive center, expensive left, expensive left tackle. They're going to need to do be a little smarter. And it starts with like Ike Butker on, on a uh, restricted free agent deal that I'm sure that they'll tender him at, um, as well as probably John Feliciano. But that's interesting because he wants to play here. And Buffalo's being kind of interesting with the way they're approaching that. Um, I think they're kind of saying, you know, we'll give you a deal, but, um, you know, we're definitely not going to overpay for you. So if you want to test the market too, you know, by all means, go ahead. But uh, here's your deal. And I do think they'll come to terms there and at least have four position group, uh, four of the positions locked up with Cody Ford in the mix there too. Um, and really only needing to address the, you know, that's, that's a fairly solid place to start. If you do sign Feliciano, you have Ford, you have Morse, you have Butker and you have um, Deion Dawkins. You're in a really good place there. So I think it just comes down to what you're going to do at that right tackle spot. And I do think that that's probably a candidate for, uh, for the draft as, um, you know, Bean has shown his propensity, uh, at least under this regime, to propensity to want to draft offensive linemen, uh, especially at the tackle grouping. Is you know, you could say they missed on Ford, uh, maybe one of the, his bigger misses um, of his draft career, um, which we all have them. You know, every GM has them. You know, every scout has them. Every podcaster has big misses, and I, I, I would say that was a fair miss um, by him. But it is what it is, and I think he's going to try dip his you know f- uh, foot back into the tackle pool and get it done. So I don't see a Williams deal. In Unless once again, Williams comes back and says, I'll continue to play for these bridge deals. Brandon Bean's known to find these values, whether it's Jordan Poyer or whether it's Daryl Williams in the first place, John Feliciano in the first place. All the guys we're talking about now, um, for the most part, um, outside of maybe overpriced like Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler. I mean, he's looking for value and he's going to do it again. There is another guy out there that I'm sure he likes. And the Bills are in a good position to say, come play for one of the best offenses in the league now. And especially if something does happen to Brown, the only reason I would see them um, cutting Brown is because they feel they can go out and get a bridge guy. That would be the only reason you would cut. You don't cut John Brown to be like, you know, Gabe Davis could end up being good, uh, but you don't bank on Gabriel Davis being your number two receiver right now. He's in a good position in your four spot. Go out there and make it happen. And there are a ton, a ton of free agent receivers and it's adding by the day. So the Bills might hedge their bat and say, we're going to cut John Brown. But you know what? I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe it's Corey Davis. Maybe it's yeah, I'd be, whatever, whoever they think they can get the bridge deal on. There's too many names to all get paid. And that's the first time I think I've ever been able to say at receiver. There's too many names. People are going to have to take the bridge deal. And you saw it today uh, with the Tyrell Williams, uh, who actually just signed a one-year bridge deal. Um, and that's a really good precedent for what I'm expecting in free agency. So if the Bills want to play a little bit of that ball game, 
it gets a little bit interesting with John Brown to me because then you're thinking you can get a Curtis Samuel. You're thinking that you can get, you know, whoever it is that will take that bridge deal and do exactly what you need him to do at receiver too. But I think that could still just be John Brown. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something that we never think about as fans is just, you know, I didn't know about John Feliciano before he joined the Bills. You know, like right. I knew who Darrell Williams was just because Bills basically courted him for two years. But, you know, there are so many of those guys like that out there that are going to be in a two, three, four million dollar prove it deals. And we as fans were like, we just know we know what's on our team and we know, you know, what we're looking at. We know who we like and who we don't like. But when it comes down to it, there may be a guy that's better than John Feliciano out there that's that gets caught or, you know, it just becomes a free agent like that's the reality of it and and the bills have taken so many shots trying to find guys like like more like buckers like brian winters of the world guys that didn't pan out but they still went after evan bame you know like the there's guys out there and it, we just it's like we can't think of it because we know what's in front of us but they're out there and so that's one of the things i i do trust being being in his uh in his group to go after but you know what's scary we we're talking about you know draft picks hitting and missing is that um, after Matt Milano, like I, and, and obviously Josh Allen, because that goes without saying, you know, they've mentioned wanting to resign him. I mean, is there another draft pick that Bean has drafted where you're like, that guy definitely has to be resigned with, you know, no matter what. Now, mind you, it's only been three years, so you can't really, because the first, you know, draft, it wasn't Bean's draft. It was McDermott's, right. but they've already signed like two or three guys from that, from that draft class besides yep. Josh Allen, like I, I'm thinking long term, like, and these guys still have time to prove. I'm not trying to bash, but like, I can't think of a specific person besides Josh, like Tremaine Edmonds. Like, oh yeah, everyone's gonna say Tremaine Edmonds. Like, maybe, like for the right deal. But I'm not saying you have to sign him to, you know, a super long contract and make sure he's your franchise middle linebacker at this point. Um, so I think you know you mentioned Cody Ford being a bust. Um, you know, Harrison Phillips was a third round pick from. He doesn't necessarily. It, there's no indication that I think that he'll get, you know, re-signed after his deal. Um, I, I don't know. It's just something that I think fans should keep in the back of their head. And I don't know if you've thought about it because there's a chance that we might, you know, all of the, all of the best players on this team, besides the ones that we just re-signed from McDermott's draft, have all been free agents. All of the best players are free agents or Tredavis White, Deion Dawkins, and Mabilano. So it's just it's just an interesting thought. Do you do you ever think about that? Or does that ever come across your mind? Yeah, I mean the good thing about how he drafts is he's generally drafting for guys that don't bust. So he's looking at the Taron Johnsons that he there's something there that he likes that he thought thinks can translate to Sean McDermott's defense. He's looking for guys that can come in and play at Oliver. You know, maybe he's never the stud that you're looking for, but I do believe he'll always be a solid player and will probably get re-upped. Um, and because mainly because he's not a solid kid, what if you drafted a star? Can you afford it? That's another part of this debate is what are you truly looking for? Um, but you, you'll see Brandon Bean in the, I, th- I just saw a graph yesterday that showed the bills in the quadrant of the box of hitting free agents and building their team. And they were like in the top, right? Brandon Bean, he just does, he didn't didn't miss in free agency very often, um, and you know you have you can point to Tyler Croft, you can point to Trent Murphy, um, and a couple others, but it just didn't really hurt the team that bad to make make those misses compared to all the hits that they've had. And he's going to continue to build in free agency. He's never going to say it, especially when when is there a year to build in free agency this year? Um, because you're going to get deals, you're going to get those bridge deals. Can can how about this? If you run down the list. Just, I'm just receiver because we were on it. We're talking about A.J. Green, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Golden Tate, 
Deshaun Jackson, Marvin Jones, Brashad Perriman, Corey Davis, Willie Sneed. Um, you're talking about Will Fuller. You're talking about Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Nelson Aguilar, Rashad Higgins, um, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. I mean, that, that that's Jeez. that's wow. half of the receiver, um, yeah. valuable receivers in the league. Yeah. Um, they can't all get four, four for 80. Um, it's a lot of top 25 receivers on that list right there. Hey, what'd you think? I, as soon as you mentioned Curtis Samuel, I'm like, oh, he's coming. He's a Carolina Panther. He's definitely coming. If they don't keep John Brown, they will sign Curtis Samuel. <laughs> I think it's a natural fit. So the difference is he's going to cost you more um, because he does something so well. Um, he's so versatile and he just fits the mold. You know, he's slated at $12 million. Um, but if the Bills think they get a good enough upgrade and a healthy player, they can do a lot of different things it might be something that they go out and do. And that might be a $12.4 million that they find valuable um, because he does a lot of different things. And um, I think he's a natural fit for what the bills do not with anything to even to do with the Carolina connection. Uh, I just think it's a natural fit for the player that they'd be looking for opposite Gabe Davis and opposite Stefan Diggs and opposite um, Beasley. Uh, he's just a natural fit there for the roster. So that's, that's what I have going on. Um, but I think there's some great names. If you're looking for that big, big receiver that Corey Davis has really developed into a good receiver, a uh, good receiver too, um, in this league. And you, you know, you might only be looking at the eight or nine range there. So now you're getting into range of, all right, is this the way we're looking to go here with this? Um, and we can throw at him the good offense thing. Um, and Marvin Jones, he's another player that, ah, he, he's a good football player. So generally stays healthy when everybody else in Detroit was hurt. Um, so Something to look out for is maybe are one of those hurt players willing to take a deal? That's something to think about. Is oh, yeah. is, is is any of those high names, Chris Godwin's of the world, Will Fuller's, uh, are any of those guys willing to take a bridge deal because of their injuries? Kenny Galladay, throw them in the mix. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of names, and people might say, you know what, if we're going to spend eighty million, it's going to be on someone that's played Allen Robinsons, you know, players that have played um, consistently. Um, you know, even maybe even Juju Smith Schuster because he's always on the field. I don't, I don't know. Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a lot of hurt players. You're, you're getting me excited with all these names over here, Kevin. I'm not going to lie to you, but, but here's the thing. Like, um, if you're a player and you know, you're getting around the same, you know, money wise, you know, for, yep. you're, you're an injured player. You're trying to, you're trying to build your career back up. How would you not want to go to Buffalo where right. Josh Allen just had two 1,000 yard receivers? You know, I mean, and Cole Beasley, which I don't believe it had a thousand yard season until this season. I mean, you know, posting career highs. It's like, why would you not want to be part of this and get one part of that pie? And be consistently. Therefore, if you're the Bills, you get, you know, another year for Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins to get acclimated to the system. You don't have to, you know, uh, use a draft pick on wide receiver if you don't have to. All right. that fun stuff. I mean, it gets, it gets exciting if, uh, if you're thinking about it from that level, which, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited hearing about it. But, but, but I've been thinking about, you know, wide receiver tight end. You know, everyone brings up John Smith and, and stuff like that. But, but part of me, and this goes back to my biggest needs going into free agency in the draft is, you know, you talked about offensive line. I want to get this offensive line better. I think, yeah. I think it was, I think it was okay. And I don't want to take anything away from the, the two or so good players on the offensive line that were really good, like Dan Dawkins, you know, uh, Mitch Morris, you know, that are above average at their position. But, um, as a group, I thought that they did okay passing pass blocking for josh allen i think there are there are times where josh allen makes some dumb mistakes and he runs into a, a you know he goes around the edge and, and runs into a pass rusher sure not nearly as much as tyrod taylor i will not i will add tyrod taylor like created pressure sometimes by doing <laughs> stuff like that but 
Josh Allen gets out of pressure so many times that I think it makes his offensive line look better than it actually is. Yeah. And then we talk about run blocking, and I think they're below average in run blocking. I don't think Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are great running backs. I think I think they're good. I think that you know, um, I think that they can definitely be upgraded. But I think that they're better than what was led on last season from the fact that there were always guys in the backfield. There were never really big holes created for them. And uh, so I look at you know what good does what good does a Chris Godwin do? for Buffalo if they can't protect Josh Allen. You know, what good does yeah. John Smith do? So for me, whether it's the draft, whether it's 30th overall pick, you take a tackle, which luckily it sounds like this draft is has very deep tackle class. Part of me is thinking, you know, you need to address the offensive line. Make make Josh as as comfortable back there as possible. Add another weapon, sure, but like first thing, you know, if I think is just making that that group around him solid and better than it was the year before, you know? So, uh, so what do you think about that? Is that, is that high on your list of needs for the Buffalo bills or does it go on the other side of the ball? Yeah, I think for me, um, I think getting offensive line, right. Is a big thing. I mean, you saw Tampa do it. Um, and it's just such an important, important thing to do. And I mean, you're looking at a lot of guys who can help you out. You're looking at Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, a guy I like to come in and start day one at right tackle. Um, you know, you're looking at a couple really good names, you know, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Josh Myers from Ohio state. You're looking at guys with, you know, high potential. Alabama has a bunch of guys you could draft from depending on what you're looking for out of the position group and Landon Dickerson. Um, and there's just a lot of good names there. Trey Smith from Tennessee. So Wyatt Davis, I mean, from Ohio state probably will be gone before the bills pick, but these are all names that, um, you know, everyone likes their different type of offensive tackle and probably including the bills. So I think they, you know, the bills generally like a big physical, really able to, to move guy rather than, uh, maybe, maybe more agile guy. Um, so, you know, we'll see what, what, what happens there, but I do think they're going to have tons of opportunities in this class, on this class to, to draft an offensive lineman. And if you look at it, it might be one of those years you can wait to the second round to get somebody very valuable. So I think that that's might be what you see. The bills are going to probably tell you that between the five guys that they're going to keep, um, with Feliciano and Butker, Morse, uh, Dawkins, um, if Cody Ford, I do think they think they have four out of those five. So whether fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, I do think they're going to tell you that. And they're going to say one of them is going to be good depth too. So, um, I do think it starts with them getting a final piece of the offensive line and you're only as strong as your weakest link. Um, so maybe Cody Ford turns into a really good backup offensive lineman. That's not what you're looking for with where you took them. Um, but if he's a six offensive lineman, can play a bunch of positions. It's valuable enough for now. Um, as the team gets better. So I do think you'll see an offensive tackle pretty early in this draft for the Bills in the top 70 at least. Um, and that'll be the player that they, they bank on um, really helping out this year for the team. Um, so I think receiver to me is interesting because I think if, if you do create the opportunity with those names we just went over, I do think you'll have an opportunity to give someone one for five, one for six, whatever that number is, and be very effective in this offense. And if it doesn't work out or you weren't able to get him the ball or the offensive line was bad, you didn't really uh, lose too much uh, there. So I do think that there's opportunity for someone like Corey Davis to be like, yeah, I'll take a bridge deal or whoever it happens to be. I don't know which one of those are more willing to do it based on the market. We'll never know. I mean, Brandon Bean might even wait it out and say, all of a sudden he's looking at his list and he's seeing... Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay is still out there for whatever reason. And maybe then you make the phone call because you're in the second wave of free agency and he'd come in and be a starter day one. 
Um, so those are the kind of things you're looking for. But I do need to see more out of the running back room. I'm a pretty bad Zach Moss uh, denier. I just don't think he's good. Um, I liked I wanted to see more out of him. He showed a little bit later in the year. Um, but you know, that fumble on the goal line, uh, we're all, we're all ragging Singletary for fumbles and he goes and fumbles on the goal line, um, his own goal line. Mm-hmm. So running backs, a huge position groups. And to me, it's how much do you care about it? You know, you've seen anything from people, uh, Najee Harris and Travis, uh, Eaton and, and just others, um, that, you know, how, how high would you take these guys? I, I tend to believe that at the end of the first round, like Clyde Edwards, Alaire, isn't a terrible move. I don't want a top 10 running back, but if you're picking at the back end of the first round, I don't hate, um, tri- taking ETN there. Um, you know, I certainly don't. And the North Carolina has a plethora of running backs. The bills already have one on their roster, but you know, you have Michael Carter and Javante Williams, two really good guys um, that could come in and help you out a lot. And that's not, I'm not going to not go without mentioning Jarrett Patterson, UB's workhorse, a uh, guy that's absolutely slippery. One of the best outside zone runners I've ever seen. Um, you just don't break him down and he takes, he's got to the house speed, not four, four speed, but to the house speed and a guy that's just so slippery. looks like Maurice Jones drew out there, a guy that the bills could desperately use. Um, but will they go three straight years of third round running backs if they do Jarrett Patterson's been said to be really high based on my sources in Buffalo to be really high in the Bills list um, based on what he as the player's been told um, so you know that's interesting thing to note that if he's there in the third round and I think the Bills have a have a peg for him I wouldn't be surprised for them to go back to back to back third round picks and pick the best two um, out of it going into this year and that's that's if they don't address it somewhere in free agency which I don't think they do so what, how does Jarrett Patterson go as, as a pass catching running back? Is he is he just as good there or is he more of an you know outside zone only as far as his skill set goes? So he presents a lot of uh, opportunity for pass catching. You'd be particularly focused on running the ball a lot this season. And they, they, they were just dominating the running game and they had an effective pass game. Um, they just didn't need to use it ever. Um, so he didn't have a lot of catches, um, you know, at, Last in 2019, he, you know, 209 and a touchdown. Um, so, you know, effective there. Um, but I think it's going to be one, one of those things where he can show and come on and show that he can catch the ball. When he ran the ball 36 times against Kent State, it showed that he really, there's just no room to throw the ball um, at any point. But we're talking about 409 yards, an epic game of 11 yards a carry and eight touchdowns in one individual game. Um, it's the production you're looking for out of this guy. And the homegrown talent you missed on Khalil Mack just a few years ago, and it's been shown that Bills are pretty interested in in his type of play. So as a pass catcher, um, that's probably what brings him into the third round because his film is dominant. I think Eric Turner from Cover One put it in his points together if he hasn't already a really good film package on him. Um, so check that out if that if that drops. Uh, but he he's just an, a guy that can take the rock. He's not like Singletary. The difference, everyone's like, oh, he's Devin Singletary. The difference is he can take the rock and handle it 30 times per game. Not that you would, but he can take the rock 20 plus times per game with ease. Um, so that's the difference to me between him and Singletary. Um, and, you know, so I think he would be a huge compliment to this, to this, to the Bills offense. And it's not just all who you went to UB. It is, it is a natural fit. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if they went back to back to back in the third round. Man, if if that goes to show you almost, it almost reveals the hand of Bean and McDermott if they, that they don't really like one or both of their running backs if they take another one in the third round. Right. Because at, at least last season you could be like, well, they wanted to trade up for Zach Moss. They, they like Zach Moss. They didn't have anyone besides Devin Singletary. They're, you know, I guess you could say TJ Yeldon, but for the most part, they didn't really have another running back next right. round. So they needed them. 
this year they don't necessarily need that guy. So if they go for, you know, Jerry Patterson in the second, third, or fourth round, even you say, well, this is telling it and how they feel about the which it sounded like at the end of the season press conference they were making excuses for the running backs. But um, they did. Yeah. I, I mean, I w- I would love a, a a guy. And you think the compliment? So last season we we're like, well, what's a compliment to Devin Singletary? And it's like, oh, some people were saying a guy just like Devin Singletary. Some guys were saying, you know, maybe you want a guy that can that has a quick speed that can you know bounce to the outside and uh and so you're saying you you want if, if it's up to you kevin you can choose the next running back for the buffalo bills you want a guy with speed that can that can not only carry the ball that can you know pass catch the ball what's your ideal run i want a guy that can take carries i mean I, I i don't care if he's a bruiser like derrick henry i i just want a guy that can take carries and that's the biggest problem is that they're mixing and matching they don't trust singletary with a certain amount of carries they don't trust either of their skill sets they don't trust ball security on either of them something that patterson's really excelling in um, to me, it's it's you just want a guy that can do it all, and, and you don't have to be the bat. You know, Alvin Kamara catching the ball out of the backfield, but to me, I think you need a guy that you can rely on late in games. You know, UB would be down seven running the ball because he was that good. Um, so I think that that's what you're looking for um, out of my next running back. And if I'm picking, I, that's what that's the kind of you know pedigree I want. And the reason I, I mean, I'm a huge Najee Harris fan too. So if you if they feel the need to want to use you know thirtieth overall pick there. Great. I mean, I'm on board with it because he's such a talented football player. 6'2", 230, kind of more in that Derrick Henry mold. But then you have someone like Jared Patterson, like I mentioned, is a guy more like Maurice Jones-Drew, a guy that could probably give you six years of solid football um, and do everything, like really do everything well. So it's all about what they want, but I think the Bills are going to put precedent on that value that value for the bills are clearly in the third round and if you can get him in the nine you know pick 90 ish um that's what you're looking for um and that's about the patterson's range right now based on what we'll see what happens over the next month um you know if he elevates from there but to me i think it's a no-brainer if he falls any further the bills would absolutely pull a trigger on someone like patterson in the fourth round just no-brainer to me um but we'll see how much value they put in the running back room i don't know that they have much more value especially with two third round picks already on the roster but I'm all for uh, ETN or Harris. I'll tell you that right now. I think they could really help this offense. But you're right. I think the bigger problem is they need to settle right tackle. And it comes at a cost of probably pick 30. And it's going to be a Jalen Mayfield from Michigan to me, 6'5", 320, a guy that's really good. Stay one starter at right tackle. Much better than Cody Ford, who only went a couple of picks later than that, uh, unfortunately. But that's what you're looking for. And I think Jalen Mayfield's a natural pick for the Bills. And I hope I can reference this podcast at some point if they do go the route of Mayfield or and then maybe wait on Patterson later in the draft, third and fourth round. Um, but that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. And then they'll fill in the defense from there maybe in the second round for sure. Um, or if it, it, they might be able to flip those at the tackle, I don't know. But um, I do think that you'll see um, – uh, the Bills go defense, and I think that you're going to see him replace linebacker. That's kind of my my off the cuff pick. That if they go defense, it's not going to be corner two. I don't think it is. I think it's going to be linebacker replace Matt Milano, and it's a bummer, but I think that's um, it's pivotal to how much better this defense plays with a read and react linebacker over a cover corner. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. They seem to be high on Dane Jackson anyway, so at least yep. you have. I mean, they could bring back Levi Wallace again, technically, yep. couldn't they? He's a restricted free agent, they will. so he's not completely gone. So, so they will probably. Um, what do you think? We're talking about like the number thirtieth pick. Um, that's always fun. It could be like offensive tackle. It could be a running back that slips. What happens if 
you know, the player that they want isn't necessarily on the board and player and teams that didn't draft a quarterback at the top of the first round are all of a sudden in the second round, they're, they're, they're thinking, Hey, I want that 30th pick. I want that fifth year option yeah. for the Buffalo Bills. Now, I, I, as far as I can't remember Brandon Bean ever trading back, do you think this is a year that he might actually consider it? I don't. So everyone thinks it's a pretty hot, just like cutting John Brown. It's a pretty hot topic right now. And I don't see it. You're looking at someone like Kyle Trask or Mac Jones being available there at that pick. And if you mentioned it, I hit it on the head. That fifth year option is pretty valuable. Will the bills trade down at the right price. Yeah, absolutely. Are they going to trade? Here's what they're not going to do though. I want to put this out there. I don't think they're going to trade from pick 30 to pick 40 and take a fourth round pick. I don't see it happening. The Bills are a few players away from where they want to be. They don't want to take that gap. You don't want to get into A.J. Epinesa range again, and it's nothing against A.J. Epinesa, um, but it took him a little bit to get on the field and develop. He was inactive a bunch. You don't want to get into range of your first pick being there, not having a player like Stephon Diggs to make up for it. So you certainly don't want to just trade down to, to accumulate a fourth round pick, a player that might not make your roster anyways. Um, you need the value there. So if you got two twos... Okay, you're probably now in range of what I'm thinking is value because now you're taking two lottery picks. But getting trading down 10 to 15 spots and picking up an early fourth just doesn't quite do it for me to want to move away from a fifth year option myself. Why why would I not want to have um, a player on there, and especially an offensive lineman who get paid or a corner who gets paid or not having to deal with what you're dealing with with uh, Matt Milano and and going with Saban Collins from Tulsa um, there at that spot and having a fifth year option on him. So that fifth year option holds some money. You're not going to get out of it with just giving me a fourth round pick. I want multiple twos or I don't want to talk to you. That's kind of how I think that Bean should be approaching it. Um, and unless it's a very slight trade back, but then why are you, once again, why are you taking that fourth round pick to remove that cap flexibility? 18, I actually researched this. 18 got um, got their fifth year option exercised. So it's not a th- something that happens every, you know, seven players. And it's actually more common after the top 10 um, because it's a much better value. So, that's something to look out for is that I do think that that holds value. The bills are going to use it with Josh Allen. They're probably going to use it with Tremaine Edmonds in terms of negotiating. They use it with, uh, with uh, Trey White. It's a valuable asset if the player is reasonable and he's pretty decent, and especially after top 10. So in this case, you have a really good value. And not don't, not to mention the a 30, um, the 30th overall pick is a great value for what you could possibly draft there in terms of who's on the board, what they're going to get paid, uh, a pretty reasonable deal for four years, and then the fifth-year option. That's not just worth a, a early fourth to me. Yes, we've hit on Gabe Davis and Taron Johnson, um, so that fourth-round picks can happen. But they also traded away fourth, fifth, and sixth to get Stephon Diggs with the first. So they clearly are fine with getting rid of those middle-round picks. Um, I don't think they're going to then go and accumulate them for anything other than trading them back to get up. So what I could see them is then maybe finagling, but I do not think they want to stack fourth-round picks. Plus, you know, as well as I do, there's always good players that drop to number 30 in the back exactly. end of the first round that you're always exactly. like, you know, when the second round comes, you're like, who's available? Who could, oh, this guy, these 10 players drop. That's dropped. a great pick for fallers. Yeah, it's a great, <laughs> yep, exactly. So the last thing I want to touch on with you real quick, appreciate your time, obviously, sure. was, uh, was the Bills proposed rule change to coaching and front office hiring process. So it just came out today is the time we're recording this, that Buffalo Bills have proposed a rule preventing uh, interviews for coaching and front office positions until after conference championship games. 
a source confirmed to The Athletic. And under the proposal, teams would not be allowed to hire for coaching or front office vacancies until after the Super Bowl. Owners will be able to vote on the proposal this offseason. You know, I always... I say this on our podcast is one of the best ways to keep your offensive and defensive coordinator is stay in the playoffs, be go as far as you can, because there are lots of teams that get, you know, they, they get a little twitchy. They don't want to wait until the end of the Super Bowl to hire someone. They want to, what is it? What's the saying? One in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? You want that guy that you, yep. you think, you know, might be almost as good as the other one, but you can get this guy now. You don't have to wait. So um, what do you think about the rule change? Do you think this is a good rule change? Isn't it? Isn't it kind of interesting that the Bills are the ones uh, pushing this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of commentary today that the Bills are good one year, and now all of a sudden they're wanting to train by the coaching rules. <laughs> yeah. It's a fair point, um, but you know, one that you know we've never had to really think about. And I don't hate the rule as it exists, and you know why? Because we didn't lose our coordinators. Um, so what are what's what's the Bills' motivation behind this? I don't think it has anything to do with gaining or losing coaches. It has to do with solely that the distraction that they thought it put on Brian Dable, uh, maybe Leslie Frazier, and I, they clearly have some evidence to show that either one of them or both were distracted. The Bills are trying to focus on getting to the Super Bowl, and you have coaching interviews to prepare for. Brandon Bean said that on Chris Collinsworth uh, Chris Collinsworth podcast uh, last week. Um, so I think there was some some focus there that was lost, and maybe McDermott was like. We want Frazier to get a job. He he deserves it, um, and even Brian Di- Brian Dable deserves it. But then, um, you know, they were off focusing on their interview when we're going to go against Patrick Mahomes in three days. Uh, they're focusing for their interview being on Monday. So, I mean, I think that that around with the first round of interviews where they are already, you could kind of see some weird. I don't think they liked the game plan they put against the Colts. Um, so, you I mean you have a coordinators. Um, doing other things. And I think that's where this all stems from is that not necessarily they lose or not lose a coach. It's more these interview processes in the middle of huge games that make people's careers. I mean, GMs get fired over losing these games and you have your coordinators out there interviewing for different head coaching jobs. I understand it. If you're looking at it from McDermott's point of view, or you're looking at it from Bean's point of view or other GM coaches and coach head coaches, they're getting fired if they lose these playoff games, maybe not in Buffalo, but they are getting fired across the league. Um, especially if you, you know, go one and done too often or lose too many playoff games, you can't have your top guys going to interview in bad cities for bad head coaching jobs. Um, I'm for the rule. I think it's awesome. I like the diversity they added with the extra third round pick. I think that'll help a whole lot. Uh, it, it sounded weird to begin with, but I think it's an awesome rule and we'll should, we should elaborate that on more, on a little bit more, but I think that that's only helpful and, I think Bill sneakily are saying like playoff teams shouldn't just get raided from their coordinators too. So I think more of the problem though is the, the, the former, which is the, we don't want our guys interviewing during huge games. We can make up for it later in the season if they do leave. Um, but I do think there is a little bit of that. Well, go ahead and get a better or a worse offensive coordinator um, because you didn't want to wait. You know, go get David Coley, go get, you know, whoever it is that you want um, because you lost that game um, against the Bills. So to me, there's a couple factors to it. I think it'll get some steam. I don't know that you're going to vote whatever it is, 24 votes or whatever it needs to pass. Um, but I think there's some water behind it. I think playoff teams, this is where people are really, you know, make, you know, their careers are made. It's pretty important to not have your top guys going to, to Detroit. Um, this year, luckily it was on zoom, but going, you know, wherever to, to Houston in a train wreck to, to, to interview for these jobs.
Yeah, it's it's so weird to think that that is. It seems like it, it's the process. It's the way it's always been. So we just kind of forget about sometimes these antiquated ways of doing things. But yeah, you're thinking about it. like if you're at your job right now and there's a huge deadline or there's a huge project due, and then it's always like, oh, by the way, um, sorry, I can't come in. I'm going to be gone tomorrow. I'm going to be exactly. interviewing for another job. They're like, what? Yeah. No, we need you this week. It's due Friday. And you're like, yeah, sorry. Like it is a very weird way. Of, I'm going on another I, job interview for a better job. For a better job. Saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For a promotion and I can't just be here full time. It's funny. Um, but like you said, it's funny that the bills are finally in this position and now they want to change the rules, you know, before. And you look at teams like, you know, that are constantly in the playoffs year after year, like the Patriots. The Patriots are like, hey, wait, what about us? You know, we've, we've been raided. Our, our cupboard's been bare. We've, you know, we've always done the, this way. Um, it's just, I just think it's funny from that perspective. Um, I completely see both sides, but I know you wanted to elaborate about, you know, the diversity, the clause and, and getting a third round. And that's something that it sounds like you agree with. And, and you think that that's a good way to, to promote diversity among coaching candidates. Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, okay, what is, you know, is that going to accomplish anything? But now that I sat back and read it and thought about it postseason and thought about it when our coaching candidates were uh, interviewing and others. And I thought that's, that's a pretty good way to try to, to make up for any of the lack of diversity um, in the ranks and get guys a chance that may not have gotten a chance. Not that they, that they have their resumes that are already really good, like Leslie Frazier's, but I think it's an awesome way. And as the team to get compensated for growing these candidates and um, allowing them to, to flourish and promote them and all types of different things. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's really cool to see. And I think that, you know, two third round picks, um, you know, might start to get some teams attention for, um, you know, promoting. I mean, I think it's, I mean, obviously everyone knows what they've done. It's not hard to know what Leslie Frazier's done in his career or other candidates. Um, but I think it's, you, you know, you don't want that extra level, like, you know, Leslie deserved to be hired and the bills were probably doing this anyways, but, um, you know, promoting him and getting him interviews and being flexible. And I think it all kind of goes in with this new rule that the bills, you know, other teams and the bills can be even more promoting of these, of, of any of the candidates based on, um, um, not having to worry about playing the Chiefs in three days or even the Colts, great, a great team um, that you don't have to you know, worry about that kind of stuff. And then you can promote the candidates, uh, talk to other coaches and talk to other GMs about how good their candidates are. So I think that there is it all. It's all twofold. And I like the rule um, after thinking about it for a while. And I think that, you know, you'll start to see some candidates um, get that extra chance. And that's that's pretty cool to see. And um, I hope we it just grows from there. And, um, you know, we're able to see. Um, that diversity rule work in GMs and in head coaches and across the league. So that's that was a pretty good, a cool addition. And uh, I only think it grows from here personally. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad that they're doing something to kind of promote it and give it, you know, give incentive to teams to grow, you know, uh, coaching candidates that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. It's sad to think that it would it would be like that where there, yeah. it wouldn't just automatically be based on talent. But I mean, the NFL is an older league. I mean, there's older owners. It's just, you know, maybe the way that the culture has been, been so far. That's right. um, isn't it crazy to think when you're talking about, you know, you know, we're talking about African-American head coaches and they've obviously been head coaches before, but it's promoting so that there'll be more in the future. Um, and I know that there's a lot of like female assistant coaches yep. and, and positional coaches. Do you think in our lifetime, or roughly the same age within five, 10 years or so, like we, could see a female head coach within the next 10 15 20 years like that's that's crazy to me i never would have thought that growing up and this is like an, it's an antiquated system that right. we could legitimately see that 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. Yeah, but I think you're dead on. Yeah, I mean, as you've already seen, um, position coach, right? The Browns have a female positional coach, don't they? I believe Kelly. Um, can't remember Callie's last name, but I believe she's the either she's, I think a full positional coach now. And yeah, I mean, I think we're going to definitely see uh, an offense or a defensive coordinator in that in some point here shortly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's, there's opportunity within our lifetime and definitely within my child's lifetime to see cool things like that happen. Um, and, uh, you know, see females throughout the ranks and, um, it's really starting to blow up. So that's cool to see is that it's, it's really starting to, to catch on and it's only a matter of time before they, um, you start to see them more through college too. I mean, that's where anyone gets their experience, mm-hmm. no, no matter who you are, um, and where you come from. So I think college, you start to see colleges, you know, why not a college can take a chance and, and make a really good hire that way and not have the pressure of, of an owner or whatever, um, above you. So I think that you'll start to see maybe mid majors start there and, 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 um, you know, that start there D one mid majors and, um, it just only picks up and grows from there. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, we hit on a, a bunch of different things, Kevin. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I always appreciate your commentary and uh, your analysis on what's going on with the Bills and obviously the draft. And UB, you're, you're really plugged into UB, which I appreciate too. So that information on Jared Patterson is amazing. Um, where can people find you, find your yeah, podcast, sure. find all your work, every single you know piece? I know you, you just, like you said, you did some work with UB um, in train wreck sports. Uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so all of our stuff right now is up on Trainwreck Sports. Um, you can find uh, me at the Crowd Assist Podcast. If you're ever interested in UB, whether it's football or basketball, I'm in the heat of basketball season right now, um, we are credentialed through UB Athletics. Um, but you can find us at Bullet Point Seven One Six for anything Bills related. Um, we will definitely touch on it and the Crowd Assist Podcast. Um, so you know, those are my two main things that I'm you know currently working on. But I'm always you know out and about doing crossovers, podathons. Um, all types of different things that you'll you'll see me out in the community uh, doing all those things. But I focused my whole attention right now on audio and video. Um, you know, just so nothing. I don't I don't write too much, but that's that's generally where you find all of my my great content. And then I always always, I mean, you probably already know, but you can find me at Kevin Masseri on Twitter, first and last name, um, and watch some awesome promotions we're now doing with twenty six shirts and Del Reed. So, um, you know, lots lots to look forward to out there, and lots of great. Po- I mean, I'm 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 I love the Buffalo media scene. I think that we have some of the best podcasters um, in any. Um, in any team base, especially for a smaller market. I mean, when I even try to do crossover shows with different cities, I can't find anybody, but I know, and, and, and I know a lot of people in each city and I know when I go to Buffalo, I mean, I have, I can build a show on just Buffalo podcasters. Like we did in the AFC championship game, just getting five or six great people that are talented. These aren't just people we're plucking. Um, so I just love, you know, being part of the community and being part of it, you know, for so long and some of the OGs out there, um, you know, podcasting and whatnot. Um, it's been which cool. you are, which you are one of those. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> you, you might be one of the OSGs, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, Dell Reed and I and, and Buffalo wins, um, and, and, and Joe, uh, we disagree on a lot, but you know, he, you know, we're OGs and that's and Patrick Moran's out there. Um, you know, there's some really good, talented podcasters um, that have been at this a long time. And, you know, I'll, I'll include a lot of Cover Ones guys um, who were there, you know, kind of at the original start of it. So, you know, they do a great job, Greg and, Greg and Aaron over there with with, with Eric. Um, so it's really cool. And obviously everything Buffalo Rumblings does is it's fantastic. You guys have your own, like, dynamite lineup.
Yeah, well, you know, like I said, Kevin, you're you're the man as always. I'm glad I could finally have you on mine. I know you had me on a couple of times in years. I appreciate that, and uh, it's it's good to talk to you. So thanks for thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, and look forward to future shows. Just want to thank Kevin Masseri from the Crowd Assist Podcast and uh, Bullet Point Seven One Six and Trainwreck Sports for coming on and talking with us about the Bills free agency and the draft and and everything Buffalo Bills. He's had me on his podcast a couple of times, and it was just a, such a good conversation. I'm so glad I could finally return the favor and have him on. Um, if you're not following him on Twitter, please do. Just, uh, just a really good follow. We have even more great interviews coming up through free agency and into the draft on Circling the Wagons. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can hear all of the fantastic podcasts within this podcast network on Buffalo Rumblings. So thank you again to Kevin Masseri. So for me, Nate... Go Bills, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Yeah, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. Who you repping, what's your team? Who you repping, what's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that talent on my team. Micah High, Jordan Poyer, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching anything. Matt Milano making plays, we not scared of any team. Best in the AFC, all the praise of Brandon Bean. You hear Sean McDermott clapping while I'm snapping? Do you? Jerry Hughes will get the sack soon as you snap it. Andre Roberts running back, ain't no just backing. Mafia, we on a ride and we got traction. We got BZ, we got digs. Dawson Knox with the stiff arm, treat opponents just like his Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, block defenders like the fans Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us I said no one is blocking us on top of our division So it's clear that it's no stopping us Google best team in the league and we popping up Hey, who you repping, what's your team? Who you repping, what's your team? You know I'm repping for my team I got a salad on my team it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Uh. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us. I said no one is blocking us on top of our division, so it's clear that it's no stopping us. Google best team in the league, and we popping up. Home game for the playoffs, but you already snow. Gabe Davis is a rookie, but he playing like a pro. Uh. Going through a table, only time we ever fold. Can you dig it? 17, by to take us to the bowl. Hey, uh. don't you run it? No. Oliver and Trey Edmonds gonna be on it. on it. We got Corey, but we barely ever punt it. Because we just running up the score on our opponent. We got busy, we got digs. Single Terry, by the juke him out of shoes. Make him miss, run it in. Zach also throw the digs. It's for sick. Terry Johnson, pig sick to the house. Take a flick. Hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey, hey. you repping with your team? Hey, who you repping with your team? You know I'm repping for my team. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, Go Bills!
Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>